Mosiah 25. It is interesting that Mosiah was a prophet as well as a king, and he had the gift of translating foreign languages through the Urim and Thummim. Nevertheless, he did not have the keys for the organizing of the church. He therefore decided to hold a great conference and read the records of both Zenith and Alma before giving Alma the authority to organize the church. And now King Mosiah caused that all the people should be gathered together. Now there were not so many of the children of Nephi, or so many of those who were descendants of Nephi, as there were of the people of Zarahemla, who was a descendant of Mulek, and those who came with him into the wilderness. And there were not so many of the people of Nephi and of the people of Zarahemla as there were of the Lamanites. Yea, they were not half so numerous. And now all the people of Nephi were assembled together, and also all the people of Zarahemla, and they were gathered together in two bodies. King Mosiah had exercised his political authority to call this great conference of all the people and he now took the initiative to read all of the records of Zenith concerning the Nephites at Lehi-Nephi and the marvelous manner in which they escaped from bondage under the leadership of King Limhi and Gideon. And it came to pass that Mosiah did read and cause to be read the records of Zenith to his people. Yea, he read the records of the people of Zenith from the time they left the land of Zarahemla until they returned again. After Mosiah had read the remarkable record of Zenith, he then took the initiative to read to the people the rather amazing account of Alma and his people, who were rescued from bondage by having the Lord impose a deep sleep on their captors, and then have Alma and his people make a forced march for twelve days to reach Zarahemla. And he also read the account of Alma and his brethren, and all their afflictions, from the time they left the land of Zarahemla until the time they returned again. As the people of Zarahemla heard the record of Zenith, they were amazed and thankful to God that the Nephites had been rescued. However, they mourned the loss of so many Lamanites who died in their sins. And now when Mosiah had made an end of reading the records, his people who tarried in the land were struck with wonder and amazement, for they knew not what to think. For when they beheld those that had been delivered out of bondage, they were filled with exceeding great joy. And again, when they thought of their brethren who had been slain by the Lamanites, they were filled with sorrow, and even shed many tears of sorrow. The people of Zarahemla also rejoiced over the rescue of Alma's people by the Lord. They also mourned over the apostates of Amulon and the unrepentant Lamanites. And again, when they thought of the immediate goodness of God and his power in delivering Alma and his brethren out of the hands of the Lamanites and of bondage, they did raise their voices and give thanks to God. And again, when they thought upon the Lamanites who were their brethren of their sinful and polluted state, they were filled with pain and anguish for the welfare of their souls. And it came to pass, that those who were the children of Amulon and his brethren, who had taken to wife the daughters of the Lamanites, were displeased with the conduct of their fathers, and they would no longer be called by the names of their fathers, 
Therefore they took upon themselves the name of Nephi, that they might be called the children of Nephi, and be numbered among those who were called Nephites. Here is an amazing development. The half-breed children of the wicked priests of King Noah abandoned their apostate parents so they could become full-fledged Nephites. And now all the people of Zarahemla were numbered with the Nephites. And this because the kingdom had been conferred upon none but those who were descendants of Nephi. From earliest times the kings of the Nephites had been descendants of Nephi. And the people of Zarahemla wanted to be known as Nephites rather than be called by their separate groups. King Messiah now wanted Alma to speak to the people and lay a foundation for the organizing of the church. However, the audience was so large, they were divided into separate bodies, and Alma spoke to each body one at a time. And now it came to pass that when Mosiah had made an end of speaking and reading to the people, he desired that Alma should also speak to the people. And Alma did speak unto them when they were assembled together in large bodies, and he went from one body to another, preaching unto the people repentance and faith on the Lord. And he did exhort the people of Limhi and his brethren, all those that had been delivered out of bondage, that they should remember that it was the Lord that did deliver them. And it came to pass that after Alma had taught the people many things, and had made an end of speaking to them, that King Limhi was desirous that he might be baptized, and all his people were desirous that they might be baptized also. No doubt this was the result King Mosiah had hoped to attain. King Limhi asked to be baptized, and all of his people asked for the same blessing. Therefore Alma did go forth into the water and did baptize them. Yea, he did baptize them after the manner he did his brethren in the waters of Mormon. Yea, and as many as he did baptize did belong to the church of God, and this because of their belief on the words of Alma. And it came to pass that King Mosiah granted unto Alma that he might establish churches throughout all the land of Zarahemla, and gave him power to ordain priests and teachers over every church. Notice that Mosiah, as both a king and a prophet, authorized Alma to commence organizing Christian churches or congregations throughout the land. Now this was done because there were so many people that they could not all be governed by one teacher. Neither could they all hear the word of God in one assembly. Therefore they did assemble themselves together in different bodies being called churches, every church having their priests and their teachers, and every priest preaching the word according as it was delivered to him by the mouth of Alma. And thus, notwithstanding there being many churches, they were all one church, yea, even the church of God. For there was nothing preached in all the churches except it were repentance and faith in God. Alma was also authorized to ordain the teachers and priests who would teach the simple gospel of repentance and faith in God. Now there were seven churches in the land of Zarahemla. And it came to pass that whosoever were desirous to take upon them the name of Christ or of God, they did join the churches of God, and they were called the people of God. And the Lord did pour out his Spirit upon them, and they were blessed and prospered in the land. 
There were enough believers in Zarahemla to set up seven separate congregations. All of them took upon themselves the name of Christ, and while they had separate congregations, they belonged to the same church. Now Mosiah 26. To put this chapter into its proper time frame, we must remind ourselves that King Mosiah's father was the famous warrior prophet King Benjamin. When he received a revelation to appoint Mosiah as the new king, he used the occasion to give a famous scriptural oration. The people were so moved by the Spirit during this talk that they all entered into a covenant to serve God all the days of their lives. Their children, however, were too young to understand King Benjamin, and their parents were unable to communicate his stirring message sufficiently to inspire them. As a result, they had grown up resisting the teachings of King Benjamin and disobeying their parents. Now a crisis was looming in Zarahemla, and that is where this chapter begins. Now it came to pass that there were many of the rising generation that could not understand the words of King Benjamin, being little children at the time he spake unto his people. And they did not believe the tradition of their fathers. They did not believe what had been said concerning the resurrection of the dead, neither did they believe concerning the coming of Christ. Now because of their unbelief, they could not understand the word of God, and their hearts were hardened. It must have been alarming to Alma, the new president of the church, to see a whole generation of the youth denouncing the gospel, denying the resurrection, and refusing to believe in the coming of Christ and they would not be baptized, neither would they join the church, and they were a separate people as to their faith, and remained so ever after, even in their carnal and sinful state, for they would not call upon the Lord their God. And now in the reign of Mosiah they were not half so numerous as the people of God, but because of the dissensions among the brethren they became more numerous. For it came to pass that they did deceive many with their flattering words who were in the church, and did cause them to commit many sins. Therefore it became expedient that those who committed sin that were in the church should be admonished by the church. The rebellious youth started out as a comparatively small group, but contention and quarreling began developing inside the church so that the rebellious youth used this as an excuse to greatly increase their numbers. Furthermore, the rebels began recruiting others into their ranks and convincing them that the gospel, with its strict rules of righteousness, were really vain imaginations of their elders who just wanted to get power over them. And it came to pass that they were brought before the priests and delivered up unto the priests by the teachers. And the priests brought them before Alma, who was the high priest. Now King Mosiah had given Alma the authority over the church. And it came to pass that Alma did not know concerning them, but there were many witnesses against them, yea, the people stood and testified of their iniquity in abundance. Now there had not any such thing happened before in the church. Therefore Alma was troubled in his spirit, and he caused that they should be brought before the king. As charges began to be brought against these rebels, the church didn't really know what to do with this dissident group. Alma knew he could preach, but could he punish? 
What action could be taken against these rebels who were literally tearing the church apart? He finally decided to take the problem to the king. Perhaps it was a civil matter, and the punishment for wrongdoing should be handled by the king. And he said unto the king, Behold, here are many whom we have brought before thee who are accused of their brethren, yea, and they have been taken in divers iniquities. And they do not repent of their iniquities. Therefore we have brought them before thee, that thou mayest judge them according to their crimes. But King Mosiah said unto Alma, Behold, I judge them not. Therefore I deliver them into thy hands to be judged. It is amazing that the king, with all of his administrative experience, had no solution to the matter and turned the whole problem back to Alma. And now the spirit of Alma was again troubled, and he went and inquired of the Lord what he should do concerning this matter, for he feared that he should do wrong in the sight of God. Alma was in a dilemma. He had no place to go but back to God. He therefore earnestly asked the Lord what he should do. And it came to pass that after he had poured out his whole soul to God, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, In the next five verses the Lord tells Alma why he is approved of God and will be blessed. Then the Lord tells Alma what he should do. Blessed art thou, Alma, and blessed are they who were baptized in the waters of Mormon. Thou art blessed because of thy exceeding faith in the words alone of my servant Abinadi. And blessed are they because of their exceeding faith in the words alone which thou hast spoken unto them. And blessed art thou because thou hast established a church among this people, and they shall be established, and they shall be my people. Yea, blessed is this people who are willing to bear my name, for in my name shall they be called, and they are mine. And because thou hast inquired of me concerning the transgressor, thou art blessed. Thou art my servant, and I covenant with thee that thou shalt have eternal life, and thou shalt serve me and go forth in my name, and shalt gather together my sheep. And he that will hear my voice shall be my sheep, and him shall ye receive into the church, and him will I also receive. Alma is commanded to preach the gospel and invite all who will repent to come into the church. This is Alma's main assignment. He is to preach repentance and promise all those who come into the church that they will come forth in the first resurrection and be on the right hand of God. For behold, this is my church. Whosoever is baptized shall be baptized unto repentance. And whomsoever ye receive shall believe in my name, and him will I freely forgive. For it is I that taketh upon me the sins of the world. For it is I that hath created them, and it is I that granteth unto him that believeth unto the end a place at my right hand. For behold, in my name are they called, and if they know me they shall come forth and shall have a place eternally at my right hand. But Alma must teach something else. This is a much more somber subject. He must describe in vivid terms what happens to the wicked who reject the gospel and turn against God. They will not come forth in the first resurrection. 
They will come forth at the sounding of the second trump to stand before God and be judged, and God will reject the wicked, and they will then be consigned into the punishment that is extremely severe, and they will stay there until they have paid the uttermost farthing for every evil act they ever committed. And it shall come to pass that when the second trump shall sound, then shall they that never knew me come forth and shall stand before me, and then shall they know that I am the Lord their God, that I am their Redeemer, but they would not be redeemed. And then I will confess unto them that I never knew them. They shall depart into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Therefore I say unto you, that he that will not hear my voice, the same shall ye not receive into my church. For him I will not receive at the last day. So Alma is told to go forth warning the people and inviting them to repent and enter the church. Notice in the next two verses how patient the Lord is with the offender and how anxious he is to have them forgiven if they will just try to repent. And even when they falter, the Lord wants them to be forgiven, even if it takes a long time to overcome their weaknesses. The Lord even says he will condemn any who are not willing to forgive those who are making a desperate effort to overcome their weaknesses. Therefore I say unto you, Go, and whosoever transgresseth against me, him shall ye judge according to the sins which he has committed. And if he confess his sins before thee and me, and repenteth in the sincerity of his heart, him shall ye forgive, and I will forgive him also. Yea, and as often as my people repent, will I forgive them their trespasses against me, and ye shall also forgive one another your trespasses. For verily I say unto you, he that forgiveth not his neighbor's trespasses, when he says that he repents, the same hath brought himself under condemnation. Now I say unto you, Go, and whosoever will not repent of his sins, the same shall not be numbered among my people, and this shall be observed from this time forward. So finally Alma has his marching orders from the Lord. Now Alma knew who could remain in the church and who could not. He also knew who could enter the church and who could not. In fact, Alma decided to write down the inspired instructions and guidelines which God had given him. And it came to pass, when Alma had heard these words, he wrote them down that he might have them, and that he might judge the people of that church according to the commandments of God. And it came to pass that Alma went and judged those that had been taken in iniquity according to the word of the Lord. And whosoever repented of their sins and did confess them, them he did number among the people of the church. And those that would not confess their sins and repent of their iniquity, the same were not numbered among the people of the church, and their names were blotted out. It isn't easy to be a judge in the kingdom of God. A person wants to be sympathetic and compassionate. But when the offender is bitter and not repentant, there is a duty to be performed even if it involves a relative or a former friend. The church must be cleansed of the wicked and replaced with new converts. And it came to pass that Alma did regulate all the affairs of the church. 
and they began again to have peace and to prosper exceedingly in the affairs of the church, walking circumspectly before God, receiving many and baptizing many. And now all these things did Alma and his fellow laborers do who were over the church, walking in all diligence, teaching the word of God in all things, suffering all manner of afflictions, being persecuted by all those who did not belong to the church of God. But a firm policy, no matter how fair and compassionate, will bring on bitter persecution by those who have been excluded from the church or not permitted to become members of the church because they would not forsake their sins. And they did admonish their brethren, and they were also admonished every one by the word of God, according to his sins, or to the sins which he had committed, being commanded of God to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all things. Succeeding in this earthly probationary state is a continuous struggle to repent, improve, and pray increasingly for help from the Lord. In this great struggle upwards, a modern prophet has declared, quote, There are no losers except the quitters, unquote. Mosiah chapter 27. This chapter is the story of five miracles which occurred to the four sons of King Mosiah and the son of Alma, the president of the church. Satan had overcome all five of them, and they were among the most wicked individuals in the land. Later on, Alma the Younger will explain that he did nothing in this life to earn the right to have an angel knock him to the ground and snatch him back from the brink of hellfire. But later in the book of Alma, chapter 13, it was revealed that he had been valiant in the pre-existence and it was there that he earned the right to be rescued from Satan. This chapter begins with these five men going out among the members of the church and trying to destroy the testimony of those who belonged to it. In fact, there was a great persecution of the saints sweeping down across the land. And now it came to pass that the persecutions which were inflicted on the church by the unbelievers became so great that the church began to murmur and complain to their leaders concerning the matter. And they did complain to Alma. And Alma laid the case before their king, Mosiah. And Mosiah consulted with his priests. And it came to pass that King Mosiah sent a proclamation throughout the land round about that there should not any unbeliever persecute any of those who belonged to the church of God. And there was a strict command throughout all the churches that there should be no persecutions among them, that there should be an equality among all men. We like to think that all men are created equal, but whenever anybody is being persecuted and discriminated against because of race, religion, or membership in a legitimate organization, the principle of equality is being violated. This was happening to a disgraceful extent among the people of Zarahemla. The king's proclamation declared that this persecution, inhumanity, and inequality must cease. That they should let no pride nor haughtiness disturb their peace. That every man should esteem his neighbor as himself. 
laboring with their own hands for their support. Yea, and all their priests and teachers should labor with their own hands for their support, in all cases, save it were in sickness or in much want. And doing these things, they did abound in the grace of God. Part of the problem was the zeal of certain apostates to make a living teaching false principles and charging the people by encouraging and justifying their sins. And there began to be much peace again in the land. And the people began to be very numerous, and began to scatter abroad upon the face of the earth, yea, on the north and on the south, on the east and on the west, building large cities and villages in all quarters of the land. One of the most prominent themes in the Book of Mormon is that when people follow God's commandments, they prosper. In the case of the people of Zarahemla, they began to fill up the land with cities and villages. Today we call it a population explosion. And the Lord did visit them and prosper them, and they became a large and wealthy people. Now the sons of Mosiah were numbered among the unbelievers, and also one of the sons of Alma was numbered among them, he being called Alma after his father. Nevertheless, he became a very wicked and an idolatrous man, and he was a man of many words and did speak much flattery to the people. Therefore he led many of the people to do after the manner of his iniquities. But now we begin to hear the story of Alma and the four sons of King Mosiah, all of whom were rank apostates. And he became a great hinderment to the prosperity of the church of God, stealing away the hearts of the people, causing much dissension among the people, giving a chance for the enemy of God to exercise his power over them. As we get better acquainted with Alma, we find that he had all the natural qualities of a great leader. But at the moment, he was using all of those qualities to destroy God's work. And now it came to pass that while he was going about to destroy the church of God, for he did go about secretly with the sons of Mosiah, seeking to destroy the church and to lead astray the people of the Lord, contrary to the commandments of God or even the king. And as I said unto you, as they were going about rebelling against God, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and he descended as it were in a cloud, and he spake as it were with a voice of thunder, which caused the earth to shake upon which they stood. Nothing could have been more shocking to these five notorious apostates than to have an angel of God suddenly appear in glory before them and denounce them with a voice that was so strong it knocked them to the ground. In verse 8, it even describes Alma as having been idolatrous. The angel specifically addressed Alma and told him to stand up. A portrayal of the appearance of the angel before the five young apostates may be found in Treasures of the Book of Mormon, volume 2, page 139. And so great was their astonishment that they fell to the earth and understood not the words which he spake unto them. Nevertheless, he cried again, saying, Alma, arise and stand forth, for why persecutest thou the church of God? For the Lord hath said, this is my church, and I will establish it, and nothing shall overthrow it, 
save it is the transgression of my people. Now the angel wants these obstreperous upstarts to know why he has come in this spectacular and frightening manner. And again the angel said, Behold, the Lord hath heard the prayers of his people, and also the prayers of his servant Alma, who is thy father. For he has prayed with much faith concerning thee, that thou mightest be brought to the knowledge of the truth. Therefore for this purpose have I come to convince thee of the power and authority of God, that the prayers of his servants might be answered according to their faith. And now behold, can ye dispute the power of God? For behold, doth not my voice shake the earth? And can ye not also behold me before you? And I am sent from God. Now I say unto thee, Go, and remember the captivity of thy fathers in the land of Helam and in the land of Nephi, and remember how great things he has done for them, for they were in bondage, and he has delivered them. And now I say unto thee, Alma, go thy way, and seek to destroy the church no more, that their prayers may be answered. And this even if thou wilt of thyself be cast off. Notice that the angel tells Alma that he is free to go to hell if he chooses, but the angel says the Lord will not allow him to take the church with him. And now it came to pass that these were the last words which the angel spake unto Alma, and he departed. And now Alma and those that were with him fell again to the earth, for great was their astonishment for with their own eyes they had beheld an angel of the Lord. And his voice was as thunder which shook the earth. And they knew that there was nothing save the power of God that could shake the earth and cause it to tremble as though it would part asunder. The angel's voice knocked the five men to the ground a second time, and this time Alma didn't get up. And now the astonishment of Alma was so great that he became dumb that he could not open his mouth. Yea, and he became weak, even that he could not move his hands. Therefore he was taken by those that were with him and carried helpless, even until he was laid before his father. And they rehearsed unto his father all that had happened unto them. And his father rejoiced, for he knew that it was the power of God. These notorious young apostates had done so much damage to the church that Alma the elder called great crowds of people from the vicinity to come and see what the Lord had done to Alma the younger. And he caused that a multitude should be gathered together, that they might witness what the Lord had done for his son, and also for those that were with him. And he caused that the priests should assemble themselves together, and they began to fast and to pray to the Lord their God, that he would open the mouth of Alma, that he might speak, and also that his limbs might receive their strength, that the eyes of the people might be opened to see and know of the goodness and glory of God. It must have been alarming to many of the priests who participated in a prayer for the recovery of young Alma when nothing happened. 
Alma the elder had them go into a period of fasting as well as prayer, and it lasted for two days and two nights. And it came to pass, after they had fasted and prayed for the space of two days and two nights, the limbs of Alma received their strength, and he stood up and began to speak unto them, bidding them to be of good comfort. It must have created a sensational sense of amazement as Alma the Younger suddenly stood up and began to speak. And what a story this former servant of Satan had to tell. For, said he, I have repented of my sins and have been redeemed of the Lord. Behold, I am born of the Spirit. And the Lord said unto me, Marvel not that all mankind, yea, men and women, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, must be born again, yea, born of God, changed from their carnal and fallen state to a state of righteousness, being redeemed of God, becoming his sons and daughters, and thus they become new creatures. And unless they do this, they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God. I say unto you, unless this be the case, they must be cast off. And this I know, because I was like to be cast off. Alma the younger was well aware that after all of the terrible sins he had committed, he might be deserving of the suffering of a son of perdition and be cast off forever. Nevertheless, after wandering through much tribulation, repenting nigh unto death, the Lord in mercy hath seen fit to snatch me out of an everlasting burning, and I am born of God. My soul hath been redeemed from the gall of bitterness and bonds of iniquity. I was in the darkest abyss, but now I behold the marvelous light of God. My soul was racked with eternal torment, but I am snatched, and my soul is pained no more. I rejected my Redeemer, and denied that which had been spoken of by our fathers. But now that they may foresee that he will come, and that he remembereth every creature of his creating, he will make himself manifest unto all. Yea, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess before him. Yea, even at the last day, when all men shall stand to be judged of him, then shall they confess that he is God. Then shall they confess, who live without God in the world, that the judgment of an everlasting punishment is just upon them, and they shall quake and tremble and shrink beneath the glance of his all-searching eye. It seems apparent that Alma was told during his crash training program in the spirit world that everyone gets a chance to either accept or reject the gospel, either in this life or in the spirit world. He also learned that the wicked who reject the gospel will suffer their portion of God's everlasting wrath until they have paid the uttermost farthing for their sins. What a testimony Alma and the four repentant sons of Mosiah had to tell. God had saved them by sending an angel. As a result, they started on what would turn out to be a lifetime mission of preaching the gospel. And now it came to pass that Alma began from this time forward to teach the people 
and those who were with Alma at the time the angel appeared unto them, traveling round about throughout all the land, publishing to all the people the things which they had heard and seen, and preaching the word of God in much tribulation, being greatly persecuted by those who were unbelievers, being smitten by many of them. But notwithstanding all this, they did impart much consolation to the church, confirming their faith, and exhorting them with long-suffering and much travail to keep the commandments of God. And four of them were the sons of Mosiah, and their names were Ammon and Aaron and Omner and Himni. These were the names of the sons of Mosiah. And they traveled throughout all the land of Zarahemla, and among all the people who were under the reign of King Mosiah, zealously striving to repair all the injuries which they had done to the church, confessing all their sins, and publishing all the things which they had seen, and explaining the prophecies and the scriptures to all who desired to hear them. And thus they were instruments in the hands of God in bringing many to the knowledge of the truth, yea, to the knowledge of their Redeemer. What a miraculous turnabout for these five converts who tried to repair some of the ferocious damage they had done to the church. And how blessed are they, for they did publish peace, they did publish good tidings of good, and they did declare unto the people that the Lord reigneth. Mosiah chapter 28 It is difficult to imagine the scene of guilt which the four sons of Mosiah now felt as they tried to repair the damage which they had done to the church. But they were overjoyed with the changes that had come into their own lives, and they felt compelled to ask permission from their father to undertake something many thought was impossible. Now it came to pass that after the sons of Mosiah had done all these things, they took a small number with them and returned to their father, the king, and desired of him that he would grant unto them that they might, with these whom they had selected, go up to the land of Nephi, that they might preach the things which they had heard, and that they might impart the word of God to their brethren, the Lamanites, that perhaps they might bring them to the knowledge of the Lord their God, and convince them of the iniquity of their fathers, and that perhaps they might cure them of their hatred towards the Nephites, that they might also be brought to rejoice in the Lord their God, that they might become friendly to one another, and that there should be no more contentions in all the land which the Lord their God had given them, the missionary zeal in the hearts of these sons of Mosiah was equal to that of Paul, who would arrive on the scene a century later. The intensity of their feelings is portrayed in the next two verses. Now they were desirous that salvation should be declared to every creature, for they could not bear that any human soul should perish. Yea, even the very thoughts that any soul should endure endless torment did cause them to quake and tremble, and thus did the Spirit of the Lord work upon them. For they were the very vilest of sinners, and the Lord saw fit in his infinite mercy to spare them. Nevertheless they suffered much anguish of soul because of their iniquities, suffering much, and fearing that they should be cast off forever. 
Now we learn that they did not just ask their father for permission to proselyte among the Lamanites, but they pleaded and pestered their father for so many days that Mosiah finally felt compelled to put the question to the Lord. He needed to know whether he should permit his sons to expose themselves to the possibilities of certain death by doing missionary work among the Lamanites. And it came to pass that they did plead with their father many days that they might go up to the land of Nephi. And King Mosiah went and inquired of the Lord if he should let his sons go up among the Lamanites to preach the word. And the Lord said unto Mosiah, Let them go up, for many shall believe on their words, and they shall have eternal life. And I will deliver thy sons out of the hands of the Lamanites. Notice that this verse contains two promises. First, that if Mosiah would let his sons go among the Lamanites, they would convert many souls. Second, in spite of the extreme danger to which they would expose themselves, their lives would be spared and his sons would be delivered out of the hands of the Lamanites. With these two assurances, Mosiah moved forward. And it came to pass that Mosiah granted that they might go and do according to their request. And they took their journey into the wilderness to go up to preach the word among the Lamanites. And I shall give an account of their proceedings hereafter. As Mosiah watched his four sons disappear into the forbidding depths of the great wilderness south of Zarahemla, he felt the weight of a heavy burden on his soul. As it turned out, he would never see these sons again. But meanwhile, King Mosiah needed to find a successor to the throne. He could already feel his life fading away, and his four sons had already advised their father that none of them wanted to be king. Now King Mosiah had no one to confer the kingdom upon, for there was not any of his sons who would accept of the kingdom. It appears from the next chapter that young Alma had just been made president of the church. His father was already beginning to feel that the end of his life was near, and he had now reached the age of 83. Because of this development, Mosiah felt it was expedient for him to turn the Nephite records over to young Alma. However, as Mormon the historian began itemizing the records which would be given to Alma, he came to the 24 plates containing the history of the Jaredites and remembered that he had not yet told us that these plates had been translated by Mosiah. He therefore inserted these details sort of parenthetically and doesn't finish the sentence he had just begun until verse 20. This is why verse 11 is so awkward. Mormon is writing under tremendous pressure, and after he has painfully engraved something on the plate, he doesn't have time to go back and make corrections in the proper narrative style. Consequently, he just adds the correction and goes on from there. Today we have computers, and it is a simple thing to make corrections. But Mormon didn't have that luxury. This is why he interrupts himself in the middle of this verse to tell about the 24 gold plates and doesn't finish this sentence until verse 20. Therefore he took the records which were engraven on the plates of brass, and also the plates of Nephi, 
and all the things which he had kept and preserved according to the commandments of God, after having translated and caused to be written the records which were on the plates of gold, which had been found by the people of Limhi, which were delivered to him by the hand of Limhi. When we realize that King Mosiah was probably in poor health himself and worried about a successor, we wonder why he would take time out to translate this very extensive account of the 24 gold plates concerning the complete history of the Jaredites. Mormon therefore explains what induced Mosiah to undertake this tremendous task and also explain why this work was greatly facilitated by using the two stones, the Urim and Thummim. And this he did because of the great anxiety of his people, for they were desirous beyond measure to know concerning those people who had been destroyed. And now he translated them by the means of those two stones which were fastened into the two rims of a bow, Mormon then interrupts himself again with another parenthesis. He wants to explain about these marvelous stones that help to facilitate the translation process. This will require three verses. We have a treatise on the history of the Urim and Thummim in Treasures of the Book of Mormon, volume 2, page 74. Now these things were prepared from the beginning and were handed down from generation to generation for the purpose of interpreting languages. And they have been kept and preserved by the hand of the Lord, that he should discover to every creature who should possess the land the iniquities and abominations of his people. And whosoever has these things is called seer, after the manner of old times. Mormon starts to pick up his story from verse 11 when he interrupts himself once more to summarize what was in the records that Mosiah had translated. Now after Mosiah had finished translating these records, behold, it gave an account of the people who were destroyed from the time that they were destroyed back to the building of the great tower. At the time the Lord confounded the language of the people, and they were scattered abroad upon the face of all the earth, yea, and even from that time back until the creation of Adam. Now this account did cause the people of Mosiah to mourn exceedingly. Yea, they were filled with sorrow. Nevertheless, it gave them much knowledge, in the which they did rejoice. In verse 19, Mormon makes a promise he was never able to fulfill. He promised to include in his history the writings that were on the 24 gold plates. However, he was killed by the Lamanites before he could accomplish this, and his son Moroni had to do it for him. And this account shall be written hereafter. For behold, it is expedient that all people should know the things which are written in this account. Now, at last... Mormon gets to finish the sentence he began in verse 11. And now as I said unto you that after King Mosiah had done these things, he took the plates of brass and all the things which he had kept and conferred them upon Alma, who was the son of Alma, yea, all the records and also the interpreters, and conferred them upon him and commanded him that he should keep and preserve them and also keep a record of the people, handing them down from one generation to another, 
even as they had been handed down from the time that Lehi left Jerusalem. So Mormon finally tells us that Mosiah did indeed turn over all of the Nephite memorabilia and records to young Alma, the new young president of the church. Now Mosiah has just one final problem. Who will serve as his successor to the throne? The Lord gave him the solution, and we learn all about it in the next chapter. We hope you're enjoying this podcast by W. Cleon Skousen. To find additional books and recordings on this and other topics, please visit skousenlibrary.com.